0: بسم الله الرحمن It is Thursday the 27th of January 2022 and in our series Reflections on the Holy Quran this is broadcast number 295. And uh, in the last few broadcasts we've been looking at the meanings of the words of Uh, Chapter 2 verse 97 and this is the ninth broadcast in looking at the meanings of the words of just that verse of the uh, of the Holy Quran. Just to remind you that uh, the Lahorendia community was created by Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmed Sahib who taught us that although other Muslims Want to bring a prophet after the Holy Prophet Muhammad, but the Holy Quran says that the Holy Prophet is Khatamun nabiyin And the Holy Prophet explained this by saying, La Nabi Abati, there is no prophet after me. So now no prophet can come. And uh, he also taught. That uh, some Muslims say that uh, part of the prophetic revelation is missing from the Holy Quran but this is totally wrong. All the revelation received by the Holy Prophet Muhammad is in the Holy Quran and uh, he also taught us that uh, other Muslims believe that many verses of the Holy Quran have been abrogated, but this is totally wrong. No verse of the Holy Quran was, is, or ever shall be abrogated, and uh, this leads us. To an important aspect of Islam. And that is obviously these are differences. But the Holy Prophet Muhammad said that if one reciter of the Kalima says to another reciter of the Kalima that you are a heretic, you are not a Muslim, then it is the person saying it who is the heretic and who is not the Muslim. So despite these differences, all those who recite the kalima must regard each other as Muslims. And an important aspect of Hazrat Sab's teaching was that jihad is a fundamental duty of every Muslim. But its definition should be taken from what the Holy Prophet Muhammad said jihad was. And when coming back from fighting, the Holy Prophet said that Muslims returned from the minor jihad to the major jihad. And then went on to explain that the major jihad is jihad bin nafs. You have to control your own feelings and desires that may lead you astray. With that, let us turn to chapter 2 verse 97 which says, أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل من كان عدم لجبريل فإنه نزله Allah Albika be is Nilahi Mufadia, Alima Baina Yadayi Wahudan Bushma Lil Mumine. Say, whoever is an enemy to Gabriel, Gibriel, for surely he revealed. For surely He revealed it to your heart by Allah's command, verifying that which is before it, and guidance and glad tidings for the believers. lil meaning. So this is uh, the word we are going to look at today. So let me, if I can find them. There we are. My notes. So, this word has two parts, two segments. One is just the first letter, L, le, meaning. And its triliteral root is Hamza mean noon and uh, words which are made from this root appear in the Holy Quran 879 times and there are 17 different words or another way to put it is 17 different forms of this triliteral root 537 times it says Amana and 202 times it says Mukmin and 45 times it says Iman and twenty two times it says Mutminat, and twenty times it says Amina Amina, and fourteen times as Amin, and ten times as Amin, Amin, and then fewer times than than that. So, what does it mean? The basic of this root, the foundation is um, being in the state of free from fear. Peaceful, satisfied, without fear and uh, there are three sort of basic meanings. One is that it's the opposite of dishonest and it means Contentment, peace of heart, and it also means someone who verifies something. So, Amana, and that is that you act in such a way that someone else <coughs> then becomes quite certain, satisfied that he is at peace. You provide that person with peace to the extent that you accept the responsibility for his safety and security. We have the old uh, example from islamic history that muslims had uh, taken over this city and uh, uh, in return for jizya the defense tax they had uh, guaranteed peace and security to the inhabitants of that uh, city And unfortunately, Muslims couldn't provide them with that security. And they had to retreat from that city. And before they retreated, the Muslims called the leaders of the town and they said, well, here is the money you paid us. And because we have not been able to provide you with safety and security, we are returning it to you. And this is how you can see Muslims set an example of how you can depend on them for your safety and security. Once you had given someone your word, religion said whatever nationality had nothing to do with it. Once you've given someone your word that you're safe, you'll provide them with safety and so on. That was it. And although I'm not exactly a fan of Taliban or Osama bin Laden, this is one thing the West failed to understand about the Afani culture and and so on. That it was ingrained into them. That whatever sacrifice you have to make, whatever death or destruction or mayhem may overtake your society and your country. Once you've given an assurance of safety and security to someone, you cannot go back on that. And then... uh, from the other side, it also means that this person depends and trusts someone. And one aspect of that, of course, is the fact that uh, these people are entrusted with uh, valuables. You remember the, um, the Holy Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi that one thing he was worried about was that despite the fact that uh, Quraysh of Makkah regarded him um, as uh, very badly and so on and so forth yet many of them had still entrusted him with their valuables now look at this religion, sect has nothing to do with it the Holy Prophet Sallam was a Muslim, these people were non-believers, and yet they had so much confidence in him. This is what a Mumin is, that they entrusted their valuables to him. And look at him, his life is in danger, he is trying to escape, but what is the last thing, what is the last action that he takes? He makes sure He makes sure that everything given to him in trust is returned to its rightful owners. At a time when his life is in danger, what is he doing? He is making arrangements for all those things to be returned to people. And this is why Hazrat Ali was left behind. To complete that. Nakatan, a moon is that uh, female camel that you can trust, that she will take you to your objective. Not going to she's not going to collapse halfway to Damascus or wherever and leave you stranded. So a moment, a movement is someone who gives this guarantee of safety and security and peace to someone else. To the degree you trust him, to the degree that once this person says, "You have my guarantee," then you don't have to worry. You don't have to fear. Because, you know, the example I gave of the Holy Prophet Muhammad. And he is really guaranteeing peace. And if all of us did that, we'd be guaranteeing universal peace. And then we have Amanatan Amanatan which is something that you put in trust, something that you entrust to someone. And that is why I said earlier on that this is the opposite of dishonesty, because it has to be an honest person. You have to be able to depend on them. So Amanat is something that you entrust to someone else. And uh, then we have uh, Ameen. Ameen is someone <coughs> upon whom you can depend. Baladin Ameen, chapter 95, verse 3. That is the city which guarantees safety and security. If you replace Baladin with uh, Makaman, that's the place which guarantees you safety and security. And interestingly, the Holy Quran in chapter 36 verse 162 refers to the Holy Prophet Muhammad as Rasulan Amin, which means that he is the person who guarantees you safety and security in the hereafter, in this life and the hereafter. You follow his instructions. I am Rasul Amin. I am the messenger on whom you can depend. And we have uh, uh, The Holy Quran gives the example in chapter 16 verse 112 that God gives the example of a town, a city. And they were living peacefully. And they are plenty of food and all these things. But then, they showed ungratefulness. And they lost God's favors. And then, they suffered from fear and they suffered from hunger and so on. An interesting uh, references uh, reference is in chapter 15 verse 82 and it says uh, it talks about people who to protect themselves to guard themselves they make uh, uh, or they live in and they cut out homes from the rock and it was in 1920s i think that, um, well, it was from 1880 or so onwards that uh, people started finding um, places in Jordan where uh, they found that, you know, uh, living places had been carved out of mountain because obviously these people were afraid of an enemy and so on. And a lot of them were Jewish places and they, 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 this is where they found these uh, clay uh, pots with the parts of uh, the Old Testament and so on, uh, hidden in, 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 in them. And um, that reminded me of a place in America, uh, although unfortunately I'm forgetting its name at the moment, Well, a number of places actually that I went to, where literally people had done exactly the same thing. They had cut out mountains and made a place for their tribe to live. And uh, they had interconnecting openings and doors and uh, all manner of uh, things um and i thought you know gosh how would the holy prophet muhammad know this that in america there are people who actually literally cut mountains indeed how would he have known that even people in uh, people in palestine had done that now he wasn't an archaeologist these people these places where these people live were uh, discovered only, you know, in the last hundred, hundred and fifty years. Yet the Holy Quran refers to it. But more amazingly than that, it's not just there, but very far away from uh, that place, from Palestine, from Saudi Arabia. You know, Saudi Arabia, but, you know, it's just a desert, isn't it? You have a few palm trees and a few oases, and that's about it although there are some hills and so on I'm not saying there are not any hills Um, we talk about uh, uh, the hill of Ohud where the second battle took place and all this kind of thing and Safa and Marwa But what I'm talking about is these huge mountains where people had had carved out places for their security. Now, this word is also used in the Holy Quran in the sense of business dealings. And the Holy Quran says that what you should do in business dealings is write them down and get witnesses to verify Um, and we don't i mean we're talking about uh, you know um, being without fear and uh, you know being content and uh, at peace and all this kind of thing Um, but that is only if you follow the guidance of the holy Quran a guy came to me He started a business with his uh, brother and he came complaining, saying that, you know, I do all the work and my brother doesn't do anything. You know, he's lazy, he turns up at work at 2 p.m. and so on. And all he does is he just takes money out of the till. So, uh, you know, I want to sue him. So I said, yeah, fine. Can I see the contract, please?" He said, what contract? I said, the contract that you made with your brother. Who will do what? Who will start work at what time? And he said, well, I'm very sorry. How could I ask my brother to enter into a contract? He would have said to me, don't you trust me? And, uh, you know, uh, I couldn't say to him, no, I don't trust you. So I said to him, You know, what are you going to say to a judge to give a case in, 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 to give a decision in your favor in this case? Are you going to say that my brother is a liar and a cheat and dishonest and so on? So you're quite happy to do that now. But you couldn't get a contract written to make sure that this situation doesn't arise. But can you see my point? that neither of the brothers would have had any fear of losing any money if they had written everything down. And this is the thing that we do over and over again. We uh, don't uh, uh, (coughs) follow God's guidance, which says that if you do this, then you won't have to worry. You'll be at peace. You'll be content. That's what a moment is. That's what a moment provides. And you can really talk about uh, when uh, <coughs> God says in later on in Al-Baqarah that uh, they all believe in Allah. You will have faith in Allah. So, you you know, this includes uh, to accept him, not to deny him. But it also means to verify that he exists. There is one thing you can do, you can accept something, but just keep quiet about it. In Islam, believing in Allah means you accept him and you tell others that there's only one God. You never deny Him. And you have confidence, you trust Him. That what He's saying, what He's doing, is for your benefit. And you obey Him. You obey what He says. And if you do all of that, then you become mobile then you become trustworthy because you will do the right thing because it is the right thing to do because God has said it is the right thing to do. And no other consideration will enter into your calculation. Give you an example. God says, give true evidence even if it's against your near and dear ones. Now, you are the only one who knows for a fact that your son has committed a murder. Your son says, I, I was at home with dad. He was sitting watching television. Now, you know he wasn't there. You don't know where he was, but you know he wasn't there. But that will be construed. Your denial that he, my son wasn't home will be construed as evidence that maybe he has committed that murder. What will you do? I'm certain that in 99.9999999% of the cases, love of children will overcome doing the right thing. Love of children will overcome what God says in the Holy Quran about giving true evidence. So, <clears throat> They, 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 there are a number of things on which if you believe and on which if you act, you become a true believer. That is you believe in Allah, you believe in the hereafter. What is hereafter? That one day you'll be held accountable for all you did. You might get away with it in this world, but there's another world, life is a continuance. You believe in angels, what are angels? One aspect of angels is that it's what holds this universe together, despite all its contradictions. And. Angels are the beings responsible for operating the laws of our birth and our death and communicating to us what God wants and so on. And what is uh, Kutab, God's books, they need not be books that you see on the on the shelf here. But the guidance that God gives is called God's book. And of course, people who bring that guidance. Because if you don't believe that there's anyone who can bring this guidance, why would you believe the guidance? So in chapter 2, verse 177, it's mentioned as In a positive way and then later on in chapter 4 it's mentioned in the opposite way that those who deny allah and his angels and his books and his prophets and the last day then they go astray and they go further and further away from the right path that that is very very important and people forget that and we just believe in these things as uh, you know theory as air not that they're practically correct remember in saying this God has said that I have made subservient to you all the angels, all the forces. This goes back to the story of the of creation when God said to angels, bow to Adam. What that means is that God has put in you and me the ability to master these forces, to use them for good or evil for ourselves. when we say that we believe in divine divine guidance we accept the fact that despite all of that there are certain aspects that we will never be able to discover for ourselves and for which we need divine guidance but remember there are people who say well God used to uh, uh, talk to humans, but now he's stopped because the Holy Prophet was the last prophet and so on. Yes, the Holy Prophet was the last prophet. Yes, God will not send new guidance. But you know, take an example. There is a law on the statute books in 1850. It's interpreted in another in one way. In 1900, it's interpreted in a different way. In 1950, it's again interpreted yet in another different way, and so on. The law is the same, like the example of death of Jesus. So say so it said, Jesus has died. Other Maulana Muhammad Sain, Batawi Sahib said, "No, he's sitting up in heavens." They're both great scholars. Who do we believe and follow? And this is where Hazrat Mirza Maula came in. He said, "God has told me that it's written in the Holy Quran that Jesus is come." Now God has told him. That's the difference. This is before it was just one man. Drawing his own conclusions. Again, to go back to the statute, Paul barrister interprets the law one way. there, in the court of law, his opposing counsel interprets it in a different way. But it's the judge who decides. And that's the point. This is why God still continues to communicate with human beings. No new guidance as such is required, but the interpretation of how to apply that guidance in our own lives, in our own times, in our own country is required. With that, we come to the end of today's broadcast. I have borne slightly over time, but there we are. So I take my leave of you with the prayer that whoever you are and wherever you may be, may Allah keep the whole of humanity safe and sound and free from love. Assalamu alaikum, hafiz, goodbye.